Support for Tantrum comes from MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork since 2001. MailChimp, send better email. The podcast you are about to hear is about raising kids, but it's for adults. There are curse words here and talk of grown-up things, so make with the headphones. Welcome to Tantrum. This is from Andeshe. He writes, My older daughter cried and ran to me. Daddy, Emmy hit me and told me she doesn't like me. I found Emmy, who is three years old, and told her she hurt her sister's feelings and had to apologize. So I dragged her to her sister. I'm sorry I hit you. What else? I demanded. I'm sorry I don't like you. <laughs> Thank you, Anderson. Okay. Tantrum is a podcast for grown-ups about raising kids. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. Today we'll hear from Matt Hutchinson who read at our November show at Kavarna. For the first 34 years of my life, I watched commercials about parents and kids the way a golden retriever might. (laughs) Generally following the movement of shapes and colors, but without any real emotional investment. Matt's story is about how that changed, of course. He talks about teaching his kid to ride a bike and how we tend to whitewash certain childhood memories, even our own childhood memories. And I've got to say, what Matt did before he told his story was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time, or like ever. Yes, it was, it was very good. I look forward to hearing it again. Anyway, yeah, we left that in for the podcast, and that's later in the show. Now, though, Allison, I kind of want to check in with you. How are you doing? Been okay. It's been it's been a big week. Um, yeah, we have elected a new president, and it's been. How are you? I'm okay. I'm better now because it's been, as of the date we're recording, it's been about a week and a half. Um, And I don't want to get too crazy, ticking too deep a dive into politics because I know a lot of you listening, you've heard it. Like you've been listening to the radio and you've been, you know, reading and just everywhere you turn is stuff about the election. You were hoping to listen to this podcast to hear about something something else. Well, guess what? (laughs) Our children! (laughs) Right. When I learned about the election results on Tuesday night, um, I had a big reaction. And a lot of that does have to do with the fact that the stakes are higher now in a personal way. And, And I mean, having it for my child and thinking about his future, it's just, I mean, heartbreaking to think of it's that, that we're entering a world where hatred and fear and distrust and paranoia are just sanctioned at the highest levels of our government. It terrifies me. And not just for his future, but of course also for the the future of other young children like him who don't have his, you know, socioeconomic privilege and his white privilege, you know, I mean, that my child has to sort of protect him as his little talismans. Yeah, and we were raised really believing and the importance of diversity and that we are raising our children and um, working with our schools to increase diversity and to increase a sense of inclusiveness. And that this is a message that is, it's kind of, I think, in our generation down in our heart and our soul of what we have been taught. And so this idea, well, it's not everybody in our generation. That's true. 
I, I do think that there has been a lot of messaging about trying to, at least trying to have much of our population embrace diversity. And now there's this fear that there's going to be new messaging that's like, you don't have to. Like, you can just hate the people that aren't like you. Like, what? Yeah, like the idea of that fear and intolerance being like state sanctioned. Right. So have you, so, I mean, so we've had a few days now to, to think about this. Have you begun to think about sort of for yourself what you want, what do you want to do? Like what actions you want to take either for yourself or just sort of as a family? Cause maybe that's something our listeners, if you're out there listening, you, know, you might be thinking, well, what do I do? Because it makes people feel very helpless. Yeah, I mean, I do think that action is the antidote to fear. I think what I am trying to do for myself and for my family right now is just remind them and remind me that we actually haven't lost any of our power yet and that we don't have to give it away. And that when flying into, you know, really emotional states of fear or depression um, and seeing all of, you know, catastrophic thinking. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go into the catastrophic thinking. I want to stay looking at where we are, being grateful for what we have, holding on to our power and trusting that we will, we will use our power towards good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it's worth reminding ourselves that we can do things in our own communities, you know, right? Absolutely. Like we can get involved in going to neighborhood meetings and, you know, what is happening here locally in our neighborhoods, in our cities. I went to a service at the Unitarian Universalist Church the, the Sunday after the election and what the minister said really, really struck me. He framed the idea of making social justice happen not as a selfless act because so often when we think about people who are making a difference in the world we think about these people who maybe even like it kind of ignore their families and go out into the world and help these other people right or help these causes that are sort of these abstract causes um but he pointed out that no action no advances no changes in the world have ever really come about because of that um, you know, he, he went back to the March on Selma and pointed out all of the people who came to that simply because they were told to do so by people in the organizations that they were working with already. Somebody tapped them on the shoulder and said, you're going. And, and they didn't go out of any sense of self, selflessness. It was just like, okay, I'm going because somebody that I know called on me to do so. And so he asked us, you know, okay, well, who will call on you? Who are the people that you are connected to in your intimate social circle? Who's going to ask you for help? And it kind of made me think like, oh my goodness, like who am I connected to? Um, and, and I think about the times when I have been very much involved in sort of social justice actions. It's been with groups of friends. And so how do we get connected now really into our community in ways that our actions are going to feel like just sort of part of our everyday lives and just, you know, we're really helping each other and helping ourselves and not just doing something separate from our everyday sort of circles through the world. Well, I think what you're saying really um, spoke to something that I haven't been able to put my finger on. I want 
to go out and take action and help, but I really need that person, that friend to tap me on the shoulder and say, this is happening on Saturday at four o'clock and you're coming. I think that it's true that it's so it's having somebody take you by the hand and say, we're going to go do this. And I hope that I can be that person that taps the person on the shoulder at some point. But right now I am wanting somebody to tap me on the shoulder. Well, I'll try to tap you on the shoulder once I find my, find my thing. Cause I, I feel close. I feel close to it. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. Yeah. 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 Thanks for I, talking with me about this, Allison. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me too. Okay. Let's hear from a listener or two with some parental moments of glory. Stories of success, failure, brilliance, hilarity, discovery. <laughs> Here's one from our most recent show in November at Kavarna, where audience members write them down and we read them aloud. I've always been very upfront about Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, etc. But I've sold the Switch Witch pretty hard. Switch Witch leaves awesome gifts, but she takes all the candy and leaves a mean, poorly spelled note. Yeah. <laughs> when Samantha found out it was just me, she cried. I felt like Judas. <laughs> did Bird care that he got candy this year? Bird did not get candy this year. <laughs> he didn't get any candy. We trick-or-treated, but there was no candy. I figure as long as he doesn't know, just we're not, we're not going to do it. So next year, probably, yeah, there's going to be some candy. Yeah, Mary got candy and she got to eat it that night. But then it was nice that she had no, like, her pumpkin with candy in it was just sitting on the counter. But she had no idea that it was something that, like, stuck around day after day, which was a problem for me because then I started eating her candy. <laughs> so I think the Switch Witch, as long as the Switch Witch goes and dumps it quickly somewhere. So there are all these things. There's, like, Switch Witch. There's, like, Elf on the Shelf at Christmas time now. Like, that's a thing, which is fairly new, which our family yeah, is going to have nothing to do with because it just – any idea of, like, creeping my kid out with some figure who's, like, he's watching you. Like, I'm just not going to do that to him. His little See, his little I line. feel like we have never done it, and we didn't do it for Alice because I feel like I'm just too lazy. I th- – I have never even looked at the book or the package or whatever it is. I've just heard about it. But, I mean, I like the idea of, like, the elf is supposed to do these little pranks and the kid wakes up and it's like, oh, the elf made a mess. Like, baking cookies got flour on the floor or something. But I hate messes. I have them all day, (laughs) every day. So the idea of, like, purposely throwing flour on the floor so that my kid can be amused. I mean, I guess I'm just, like... I'm a very lazy mother in that capacity. <laughs> that kind of thing I can get it, kind of get into. Like, I like the idea of a, the magic of sort of uh, these fictitious characters of the holidays, but... I'm all about the magic. I think magic's a lot of fun to try and, like, cultivate in a child. But I realized that Alice, who is seven, did not know the story of Jesus Christ. She did not know that Christmas was Jesus' birthday. So I just start telling her the whole story. And I mean, I know that I'm not solely responsible for her education, but it just, it, it just kind of blew my mind that I was like, she has completely fallen into all Christmas is, is Santa and trees and presents and that there's not even a spiritual component to this thing. 
so Alice is your seven-year-old. Yeah, she's uh, my stepdaughter. Stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so she she's has four so, parents. Yes, there are other figures involved in raising her. Her, her exactly. mothers and 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 your husband. Uh, one of our uh, readers touches on this at some point, but it's you know how do you raise kids with some sort of spiritual foundation or meaning? It's a subject I could go on about, but. Right. We should talk more about that in that episode. So listeners, stay tuned because we're, we're going we're gonna to get deeper into this because I have some things to ask you. For now, remember, you can share your own parental moment of glory. All you have to do is call 678-379-3748. And you can also come to our next show. That's going to be Saturday, February 4th at Kavarna. Right. And you should totally come because that show will feature three amazing readers. Kate Tuttle, who writes about kids and race and politics. Megan Sexton, who co-edits the literary journal Five Points. She also writes all kinds of amazing poetry and nonfiction. And Susan Rebecca White will be there, too. You might know her from her page-turning novels, including A Place at the Table, Bound South, and A Soft Place to Land. So that's February Fourth at Kavarna in Decatur, Georgia. And if you can make it, get that babysitter or, you know, leave the kids with your partner and, and come on. Yes. And now on to our featured reader, Matt Hutchinson. Matt makes things for Adult Swim, NewYorker.com, McSweeney's Internet Tendency, and he is the creator of the Guided Journeys Meditation Series on 90.1 WABE. He's the father of two small children and sometimes hides inside their treehouse at night to listen to the wind and reflect on mistakes of the past. If you have completed reading this bio, congratulations. You are now eligible to win a $100 Red Lobster gift card. See below for details. In the meantime, please welcome Matt Hutchinson. How's everyone doing tonight? You guys uh, read any interesting articles on the internet uh, in the last couple weeks? Uh, So thank you, Kate and Allison. Thanks so much for inviting me to do this. I'm really excited and so cool to sort of do something in real life uh, with real people in the community. Thanks for putting this together. And uh, I'm sort of like a by-the-book guy, so before I start talking about like me being a parent and that I'm qualified to, to comment on these things, I went ahead and uh, just got a paternity test for my, my kids. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited, like just got in the mail today. So, like, before we do anything else, I just want to go ahead and, you know, just sort of cross this box off. So, so it's my wife over there, Kristen, thanks for, uh, I thought it'd be good to sort of do this in front of everyone, and we'll just, uh, nothing left to do, but just go for it, I think. Just create a little music for this. Open it up here. Seems pretty straightforward.
It's probably not important, actually. I mean, we just... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> okay. I could... I'll post it on the website later. <laughs> the day after we brought home our first child, I had a chilling realization. I would never again know the feeling of being all done. When you're in school, you feast on a buffet of completions. The finished term paper, the final exam, graduation. When you begin working as a writer, you finish a story or a script or a production, and you tuck that accomplishment into your pocket and move on to the next one. Even adult milestones like getting married or buying a house have a build-up, and then you do the thing, and then it's time to feel good and chill out. It's all very concrete and final. But just a few short days into being a parent, I looked down at the sleeping newborn in my arms and realized that chill time was officially over. <laughs> There's no parental time clock I get to punch out of on Friday, grab a beer, and be done. I mean, I'm punched in for good. <laughs> Parenthood is filled with transformations like this. Life as you knew it before and life after. Some transitions are rewarding, some are terrifying. For me, one transformation was particularly shocking. It was the moment when I realized I'm now a man who can be made to cry by television commercials. <clears throat> Maybe some of you experienced something like this after becoming a parent. For the first 34 years of my life, I watched commercials about parents and kids the way a golden retriever might. <laughs> Generally following the movement of shapes and colors, but without any real emotional investment. But shortly after becoming a father, I could catch even just a few seconds of a dad hugging his son in the budget uh, mattress ad and start to well up. Even Marietta Dodge commercials where a non-professional dad actor clunkily drops the keys in his TV son's hand for the first time could make me sniff hard and wipe my nose on my sleeve. But there was one commercial in particular that hit me where I was most weak. Around age two, my son Henry had just begun the ritual of welcoming me home when I got home from work every night. As I opened the door, I'd hear him shout my name over the sound of his bare feet stomping fast along the hardwood floor. Hearing that sound and feeling his arms wrap around my neck was and remains one of the most energizing experiences in the world. It felt like all the great loves I had in my life from my parents, my big brothers and sisters, and my wife reinvented and concentrated into this new, tiny, powerful form. As it would happen right around that time, there was a commercial for the Chevy Silverado <laughs> in heavy rotation on TV. A young boy about my son's age pushes his toy truck around on the carpet, imagining himself as the grown-up man driving it around. And then in the pivotal moment, a real pickup truck pulls in the driveway out the window and a sturdy-looking dad steps out. <laughs> The boy inside the house spins around to see his father, his face lights up in the window, and I start to cry. <laughs> Which was especially embarrassing because this was one of those football game commercials they run about 15 times an hour. So I'd keep crying over and over. <laughs> Each time I'd watch it, get choked up, and for a split second, my 
diligent bike commuting principles would slip away and I'd think, maybe I should get that big ass truck. <laughs> As someone who'd spent a years working on the other side of commercial spots, not unlike this, I knew that it was all fiction. My emotional response was expertly designed by a crew of professionals removing carpet lint from the child actor's sweater between takes and making sure the pickup windshield reflected the light of the sun just so. Parenting is never so simple as it appears in a Chevy Silverado commercial. <laughs> it takes a lot of money and many people to represent parenthood in its most pure distilled moments of joy like this. So tonight I wanted to present something like the anti-truck commercial. I put together an experiment to dismantle the mother of all magical parenting moment cliches, the first bicycle ride. I, I, probably a lot of you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, in every ad you've ever seen. A parent carefully wheels their child on the sidewalk in a leafy neighborhood and then at the perfect moment lets go of the bike seat and the child pedals away confidently into the late afternoon sun. <laughs> the parents smile and a logo for life insurance or junk food or erectile dysfunction pills <laughs> fades up. <laughs> In the world of the TV first bike ride, life and parenting are simple. You hold the seat, you let go, the kids become independent and everyone is self-fulfilled. But real parenting never works quite like this. There are doubts and whining and failure. I wanted to present the reality of going through this process and all its attendant imperfections. So for the sake of science and your entertainment, like a police informant, I strapped on a hidden wire and documented this slice of parenting life as it is really happening for me and my son who's in the process of learning to ride a two-wheel bike right now. All right, so I'll jump right in. This is a... Uh, this is when I pause this cartoon to just tell them that it's time. You know, we want to try and do this. Here we go. Henry, what do you think about going and take off the training wheels and try riding your bike? No. Why not? <laughs> I want to do this. They just started watching the show. How about after this? No. We just did that the day before yesterday. Yeah, but you still haven't learned completely. You don't want to try it again? You don't want to be able to ride a bike like the bigger kids? I'm not doing it today. Dada, it's Halloween Eve. I don't want to do it on a holiday. <laughs> okay, so if you didn't catch that last bit, uh, he cites the fact that it's Halloween Eve, a totally made-up holiday. <laughs> as the reason that he can't get out on the bike today. <laughs> but in fairness, a bike ride would have really distracted him from the focus he needed to uh, maintain on the day before Halloween. <laughs> All right, we'll pick the action back up from there. Yeah. And you don't want to do it on a holiday? Yeah. When do you want to do it? You want to try it again tomorrow? No, happy no. Halloween. Tomorrow is the real holiday, the day after Halloween. That's when I want to try it. So now can you please unpause the show? <laughs> sure. We can't. 
if you if you didn't catch that last little bit, it was my daughter, my three-year-old saying, uh, just piling on, sensing my weakness and piling on, we can't. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll jump back into the action here. It be where we start instead of... Yeah, let's try it. I should say, we, we, uh, I convinced them to do it on Halloween, so that's where we're, we're picking up the action here. And take off the training wheels. How do you feel about that? Yes. Well, we can both try. Okay, let's try. Help you unscrew. Okay, good job. And you just got to feel yourself balance in the middle and then keep pedaling. And if you keep pedaling, you'll keep going forward. Okay? You want to try it? Yeah, I'll keep holding. You ready? Mm -hmm. Here we go. Whoa! See, I told you I would fall over. But was it that bad? It wasn't even that bad. Right? You're all right. Why do you want me to fall over like that? I don't want you to fall over. I just want you to learn how to ride. That's it. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> Did you feel that? But remember, you fell over earlier and it didn't hurt. It did. I had as much as one little, little bee sting. It hurt as much as a little, little bee sting? Mm-hmm. Okay, so was that that bad then? Yes. A bee sting, a little, little, is stings a lot. See? Look what happens. I well, but that's definitely part of learning, though, right? <laughs> to keep falling. Keep falling is hurting. <laughs> it's not learning. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think this captures some of the essence of the real experience of our bike lesson and my experiences of parenting in general. There's a lot of grown-ups explaining the rules of how things work and trying to reason, and the kids suspecting that things are somehow unfairly stacked against them. Standing in the too-hot October sun, I could feel myself getting annoyed and disappointed by his resistance and fear. I'm not sure if all parents do this, but I've caught myself in these moments offering up a revisionist history of myself as a child. I was perfect. I tried hard, and I didn't complain ever. <laughs> But then I remember that just like him, I was also scared of learning to ride a bike, and in fact, I didn't do it until I was more than three years older than he is now. Maybe this is why it means so much for me to have him learn it. I think we all want our kids to be perfect in the exact ways we're imperfect, not prone to sadness or anger, well-behaved and courageous when the heartbreaking truth is that your exact imperfections are something you've most likely passed along to them. You live with the hope that they evolve away from your shortcomings, but also with the fear that you curse them to be just like you. But in that space between lecturing and my lecturing and his resistance, I believe that we both 
wanted to make each other happy, which is where I feel like we can tap into these moments of beauty as parents. And there's just one more clip I want to play. How do, how does the break even stop it? Um, break is not even a person. Is there a person inside of this break? Did you know long ago, people thought ghosts were real? Aliens are on different planets. Wookie, cookie rhyme. And it makes sense because Wookies are brown and cookies have chocolate chips in them. <laughs> Wookie, cookie, they rhyme. All right. Are you trying to avoid riding the bike right now? <laughs> no, I just want to twist. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh. You ready? You're doing it. You're totally doing it. You're getting it. But Dad, I was a book before. So how good of an idea is this? I think it's a great idea because that's how you learn how to do it. Well, I'll get hurt if you do this. And I cannot go trick-or-treating because I'll be hurt. No, I'll let you go trick-or-treating even if you are hurt. What if it's a blood thing? A blood going out on me and on my shoe and onto the street. Well, even if there's blood going on your shoe and onto the street... That'll, that's like, that fits for Halloween and people will be scared by it. Do you want to try one more so that, since you're getting so close now? No, no, hungry. You're hungry? Did you have fun at all? Yes. So you may have noticed a pattern throughout this experiment that he's concerned about Halloween much more than riding a bike. <laughs> So we called it an afternoon and went to put on his Han Solo costume, and then we headed out into the twilight. While the fits and starts of learning to ride a bike had been work for both of us, the trick-or-treating felt like a release of pure freedom. As the sky darkened, I watched him sprint wildly through the shadows until the bag became heavy and he couldn't carry it anymore. He wanted to go hit one more house and then another and another. I knew it was way too late, but I experienced a moment of calm where I saw that this will be one of the magical years where this experience means so much and is so new. So we hit every last house on the street and went to bed tired and fell asleep before I was done reading his book. Watching him sleep, exhausted, in a slice of moonlight with his candy bucket next to the bed felt like a perfect moment. It was almost like something you'd see in a TV commercial. I'm the father, by the way. I was just kidding. <laughs> That's it for Tantrum. We've got some top-notch readers at our next show. We hope you'll come on out and you'll say hi. Yes, and share this podcast with all your friends. And please do give us some nice reviews and ratings on iTunes. It really helps more people find the show. Because raising kids is fun, but it's hard. Raising kids is life-changing and yet brain-rotting. This isn't easy, and despite it all, you are kicking ass. Until next time, I'm Allison Harney. And I'm Kate Sweeney. Thanks to Jeffrey Butzer for letting us use his song, Catherine, for our music. Thanks to Mike Johns for recording the live show at Kavarna, and thank you. See ya. Bye. I
can hear you just fine. You sound great. Oh, good, because I'm really comfy and cozy. Okay, good. And Kate made me a pillow nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's your own special pillow nest with our own special sound effects of bird. Mm-hmm. Not napping. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, your mic is facing, like, straight toward his bedroom, too, but this is where we are. Mm-hmm. All right. If he does quiet down, then I might have you do this intro again once he's quiet. Okay. Just because it's like... <laughs>